One of the safest things you can have, a lot of people don't believe it, but it's cash. And now for Render My Money 2022, Session 5. Okay, I want to welcome you all to our fifth edition of the Render My Money class. And today we're going to be speaking on investment strategies. And we already know that the things we need to do before we start investing are the things I like to reiterate, which are you need to have three to six months of your savings in the bank so you don't have to go into your investments and stop the momentum. The next thing you're supposed to do is, or not in this order, but you should be debt free of all credit card debt and all other debt other than your house note. This is important because this fights against your returns. And one thing you have to understand, if you're getting 10% in the market, but you're paying 28% in a credit card, then you're a negative 12% loss. So get those credit cards, all that debt wiped away. Once you've done that, it's time to invest. And investing as a general rule, I speak on the stock market because that's an opportunity to have access to really, really good companies. And I know everybody thinks they're a great business person, but there are people who have great talent, great strategy, and they've had a history of doing great business. They've cultivated their brands. They have a great product. Their operations are top notch. And you can be an owner because we understand that owning stock is having ownership in a company. So once we have all those things done and we're sitting down, the first thing we have to sit down and we have to come up with what is our number. We have to have a goal. And this is really important because a lot of times our ability to stay on course is because we're trying to only operate in the moment. We're trying to make, you know, the big return. And we get in a habit of treating the stock market like the casino. You're trying to go in and doubling your money is only average. And what we understand about the stock market is it's consistency over time. And I like that because you can take a small amount of money, but if you do it over time, it would net a huge return. So the first thing we want to do when we're talking about planning for our strategy for investing is we have to set a goal. We have to have the number and the time period. These are two things you want to understand fully when you're going to need the money. And that also determines if you're going to have a short term, looking at short term returns or long term. And when we're talking about short term, if you need the money sooner than later, then you need to minimize risk. If you have a longer period of time, you can take more risk. And what we have to understand about risk is, is relative to what you're doing. When you buy a mutual fund, that's already diversification because you may have 20, 30 different stocks. So right now, everybody has been reading about Netflix, right? A couple of weeks ago, Netflix dropped in half. Now, if you only own Netflix, then you just have half your portfolio. But if you owned a mutual fund that had Netflix in it, it maybe had 15, 20 other stocks that did well. So that drop in the share price won't affect you as much. So... Setting the goal, determining if you're going to be a long-term or short-term investment and how much you're expected to have when it's time due to reap your returns. The next thing you have to do is 
We have to get smart. Most of our information comes from where? Friends and people we know that'll tell you how well they're doing in the stock market. It's just like a famous boxer who's always gambling. He always posts his winning ticket, but he doesn't post his losing ticket. I just read an article about Phil Mickelson, who's a great golfer. And they say Phil Mickelson has lost $40 million in gambling. And it's no surprise because when you look at the casinos and you look at the marble floors and the high rise, they are winning. Nobody's beating the casino. So when we think about investing in the stock market, we are participating in ownership and we got to think long term consistency. And we have to learn how to research and not listen to people. And they tell us, hey, this is what I'm doing. Because they only will give you the pretty side of the picture. They're not going to tell you about all the risks. They're not going to tell you about, you know, how the product actually functions. And you need to understand how the stock market works. And you need to understand how all the different other derivatives of, of products of the stock market work. That allows you to calculate the risk. And risk is really what you're doing when you invest. You're minimizing risk for the best return. And how do we think? We want to do whatever it takes to get the highest return. You know, we want to sell. <laughs> and when we get the high return, you know, it's like a drug. You know, we seek that high return again. Instead of understanding, we have to balance out the risk. So you need to understand how bonds work, how options, how mutual funds, all those things work. So you research it. All you have to do is Google it. Anything you want to know, Google it. And they'll tell you. So... Once we've researched and understood those different sectors or that we're going to participate in, sectors and also investment instruments we're going to participate in, or asset classes, now we want to understand how to optimize our portfolio. And optimization of your portfolio is how are you going to balance it out between different asset classes to minimize risk. And what that means is one of the safest things you can have a lot of people don't believe it, but it's cash. If you're in America, it's cash. Now, if you're in some small island, it may not be that safe. But America, the whole world is based on a dollar. Everything is traded around a dollar. All these other countries buy our debt. So cash is the safest. Now, is it guaranteed foolproof? No, nothing is. But it is the safest. But then you have to understand there are other things like bonds, which are debt. And there are certain bonds that are safer than others. So you have two types. You have corporate bonds and you have municipal bonds. A municipal bond is something that the government, like the Atlanta Water Works, have put out to raise money to build the infrastructure of the water system. So these are municipals. They're called mini bonds. And so municipal bonds are government-funded bonds. They're normally state-regulated. And when you buy a Georgia bond, you do get a tax break. So that's another benefit. You also have hospital bonds that could be a municipal bond, but these are bonds that's usually given out by your local municipalities. Now, in the past, you've had some of those that didn't do so well. And one of them was Alabama. There's a story about Jefferson County, Alabama. And what they were doing, they were doing these fancy derivatives, taking a whole lot of risk. And we're going to talk about derivatives. A derivative is a contract that's based off some type of asset for you to purchase that asset either later and you'll determine if it's going to go up or down. That's all it is. It's a contract. So 
I'm going to give some examples of that when we get to it. But your portfolio optimization is when you have the maximal return with the lowest risk. And so your investment policy statement to sort of have a fractional breakdown uh, percentage wise of how much you're going to put in what we call high risk, which are equities. They're high risk because you can't lose money in equities. If the company goes out of business, your stock can drop. Or if you had Netflix and people start, all these other streaming companies come up and emotions shift, your stock can drop. So that's risky. Even with bonds, if interest rates start going up, then that means your bond price is now, your bond, you still will get your return, but your total return is now lower because a bond is a loan at a particular price. So if I had a company, Gerald Render Enterprise, and I was going to sell bonds and say, I'm going to pay 5% for you to buy my bond, right? Now, you can take that bond and you can resell it to somebody else because if interest rates go down, then that bond is worth more because a person now can make 5% because they're going to make the principal, okay? Now, if that interest rates go up, Nobody's going to want to buy that bond because now the interest rate is 7%. You got a bond paying 5%. So I'm not going to buy that from you. So you have to wait to maturity. And that means there's a loss because there's a loss opportunity for you to sell it early, get out and buy something else. So that's why when interest rates go up and they've been talking about this for the last 10 years, most people have always said buy short term bonds. Bonds can come in 15, 30 years, but most people are buying three 10 year bonds. So even if interest rate goes up, you're not holding your money for that long, okay? So you want to take the lowest risk. Now, here's the good thing about a bond. Even if interest rates are down and you want to sell it early and get out of it, you still going to get most of your money back. It's not like a stock market because a bond is only going to pay you 3 5 7 sometimes 8%, but right now they're like 2 3%, okay? Now, corporate bonds are a little different because corporate bonds are like a corporate credit card. And they can be called junk bonds if the company is risky. And they can pay up to 7 8%, but their rating can be very, very bad. A triple A rating on a company is a great company. They pay their bonds back. They got plenty of cash. They're making money. But if you get a triple B or double B or a C rating, uh, you want to stay away from those. It's called junk bonds for a reason. Okay? The next thing you're going to do, and this is really important, I recommend everybody get an advisor. If you're in your company 401k, the, whoever company that is managing that 401k still has an advisor. And if you have these two questions answered, your timeline and your number, they can advise you if you're in what we call a optimal portfolio where you're taking minimal risk to get the highest return. Because at the end of the day, what is our number one goal? Not to lose money. The number one goal is not to lose your money. <laughs> you understand? So that's the number one goal. After that, you want to make money. But your number one goal is not to lose money. So you can get, get your timeline. And here's a general rule as to how much money you're going to need at retirement. Basically, it's calculated due to inflation. You're going to need 10 times your annual income. So if you're making $30,000 a year, your whole life, then when it's time for you to retire, you're going to need $300,000, $500,000. That is a good barometer because what it's saying is your retirement is supposed to be able to allow you to maintain your lifestyle. 
And that's what's so funny because you have educated people who retire and go deeper in debt. I know a story about a pilot. I played his golf course and this pilot retired from Delta back in the early 2000s and bought this big old house. House like $600,000. Built this house on the golf course and ran out of money. Blew his whole retirement and ended up the house going in foreclosure and somebody bought it for like $300,000. So when you think about retirement, you're thinking about you want to be debt free and your goal is to maintain your lifestyle by doing things where you don't have to work, but you can work. The next thing you have to, this is all before investing. The next thing you have to do is your risk tolerance. You need to know how much risk you can tolerate. Meaning when the news comes up and says the stock market dropped or like they did during COVID, dropped 20, they're going to be flashing boom, 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 just like they flash up a shooting and everything else, but it's not in your neighborhood. But so you shouldn't be scared because maybe in a whole different part of town, but you still get fearful. Same thing with the stock market. The stock market is not based on facts. It's based on emotions. But whether the company goes out of business or not is based on facts. You understand that? The price of the stock is not based on the company's profitability. You got some companies that are losing money, but their stock is a thousand times over profits. And like I told you all before, the value of a stock is supposed to be a multiple of profits times a factor of like businesses in this category. Meaning, again, if I had a business, render enterprises, and I built cars, and I made $1,000 a year profit, right? And I sold a stock for $100. That means my stock is 10 times profit, right? Yes, 10 times profit. It's 10 times $100. If I sold for $100, it'd be 10 times profit if I made $1,000, right? 10 times 100 is 1,000, right? But you have some stock prices, and that's not bad. That's kind of high because now most stocks are five to six times profit. But you have some stocks that are a thousand times profits. So what that means is if you want to buy a rental enterprise, right? And I made a thousand dollars profit, right? Then the most you should pay for my company is 10 times a thousand dollars, which is $10,000, right? That's the most you should pay. You shouldn't pay a million dollars for a company that's making a thousand dollars a year profit, right? That means that company is overvalued. But if people love it, they would do that. And I hate to say this, it's a great company, but Tesla's one of those companies. Tesla's stock is selling at, I think it was like one to 2,000 times profits, but you know, everybody's believing this guy because he's dynamic and they're emotional. Got a great car, but he still ain't making that much money for his stock price. You understand? And it's still going up. So some of those things are how you say, speculative, meaning it's not based on fundamentals, but the real wise investors. Now, I'm not telling you not to buy Tesla because I own some Tesla stock. And so I ain't going to tell you not to buy it, but I'm saying you don't put your whole eggs in there. You can buy a mutual fund that has Tesla stock in it. You understand? And you participate. So your risk tolerance is something you have to understand. You can't get emotional. You got to look at this thing. I'm good for 20, 10, 15, 30 years. The last thing is diversify your risk. You got to create a portfolio. And that's what I talked about with having those different asset classes, which are like stocks and bonds and those type of things. But you have to have a mix 
that allows you to participate when the market is up and down. Meaning, if you have a 20% of your money is in what we call fixed income, fixed assets, which are bonds and cash, and 80% is in stocks, right? So that is considered an aggressive, aggressive portfolio. Now, if you got 30 years or 20 years before you retire, that's fine. Now, if we have another pandemic and the market drops again, you don't want to sell your stock. That's the last thing you want to do. But you do want to buy stock, but you got to have cash. So if all your money was in the stock market, you have to sell stock to buy. Now, some people do it to take losses for tax purposes because they're going to have capital gains in the future. But for the most part, you want to use your other, what we call fixed asset class, which is your bonds and cash, to then go and buy stock when it's down. You understand that? So it's good to keep some cash on the side. Okay? Now, some advantages in having an investment strategy are like this. One is, your investment strategy allows for diversification. Your portfolio can be made of a single strategy or a combination. So you can have different strategies in there. We're going to talk about seven strategies today. So that's an advantage of having a strategic plan, a, a strategy for your investment. The next thing is, it allows you to gain maximum return out of your investment. When you know what you're doing, what you're working for, you stay focused. My daughter sent me a video of a tape of the tortoise and the, um, and the rabbit racing. And the tortoise was focused on his own. They both had their owner at the end. The tortoise, now the rabbit is much faster, but the tortoise was just focused on their owner. And it kept moving slow. And actually in real time, in real time, the tortoise outran the, and beat the hare. Because the rabbit got distracted. It was stopped looking and she was trying to make him go, but the tortoise just kept moving. And that's how I want you all to think with your investments. So when you have a strategy, it allows you to gain maximum because it keeps you directly on your plan. It's just like if you leave here and you know exactly how you're going to get home, you get home a lot faster and you're trying to figure out because you lost. You understand? Now, when you also have a strategy, you can determine how many transactions you're doing. Now, today is not as bad, but a lot of people who do what's called day trading or have a lot of trades going over a month, they have to incur a lot of capital gains. I mean, if you sell a stock and make money, you got to pay taxes on that. Everybody do know that, right? So if you buy a stock and you just hold it and it grows, but you don't sell it in that time, you only have to pay taxes when you sell the stock because that's the only time you make money. Everything else is called a paper gain, meaning the stock went up on paper. But if it goes up, you buy a stock at $10 and it goes up to 100 okay, you made $9 a share. But I didn't sell it. I'm just, I love it. I bought Netflix. And it went up to 100 then it dropped back down to 50 If you sold 50 that's what you're going to make. You're not going to make 10 times, you're going to make 5 times. And you have to pay capital gains on $40. That's what you made, right? Now, some of the limitations for having investment strategy is when you get into doing a lot of trading and buying stocks, you really have to have really what I call ability to understand the intrinsic value of a company. What that means is you got to understand the true value of a company. You can't understand the emotion. You can't understand Elon Musk and how everybody like Tesla, how you like driving a car. Even though that's a great barometer, you got to make sure Elon Musk ain't going crazy tomorrow. You understand? You got to make sure something's not going to happen with the Tesla car or somebody going to the Mars or something. So 
When you're buying single stocks and that's all you're doing, you're trading, you're not buying mutual funds and stuff like that. Unless you're doing what we get into a type of investment, where you're buying only in downtime. You could do that in downtime. But when we had the pandemic, the stock market dropped, what, 40 percent? So if you bought stock during that down period, then you can make money because Hertz went down to six dollars. The rental car, because you know what the rental cars when the pandemic, people weren't traveling. So the rental cars sold all their cars. And this stock went down to $6. And my partner, she bought it. She bought $1,000 worth. And now the stock is up to $45, $50. But that's just, you know. But it doesn't, you, it doesn't outperform the consistent investor doing that. Time in the market doesn't do it. Unless you're just a genius. And that's a high level. And that's usually people who get paid to do this day in. It's not a novice person just doing their, their retirement plan. Um, another thing is... Even though there's a lot of historical data, a lot of research, at the end of the day, we're still speculating on what we think the stock is going to do. So sometimes it's not going to hit what we think. And, and that's why I don't get caught up in trying to maximize my return. I just want the stock to go up. If I make money, I made money, right? But when you start trying to maximize return, that's when you get in trouble, okay? So investment strategies. Good. I think it's slide eight. So the first type of strategy we're going to talk about is called a passive. Next slide. Hold that slide up for me. Seven strategies. Okay, the first one is passive and active strategies. There we go. That's it. Passive and active strategies. This is what I was talking about. Now, we had a member who did really good in the stock market. She bought a stock, right? And it went way up. She was an active strategy. That's an active because she bought a single stock. And she knew it. She did a research and she knew it was going up. It went up. Now, passive is when you buy an index fund and you buy the market or you buy a mutual fund that's a growth fund. That's a passive because now you're buying a group of stocks and you're not really doing anything. And you're going to hold that mutual fund for a period of time. An active investor is going to buy sale. So when it went up, it tripled her money. She's like, I'm going to sell it. That's active. So... The advantage between the two, a passive investor is a lot less risky. And what we say about optimal portfolio, maximum return with minimal risk. And it has averaged, a passive investor has averaged 10% a year over the last 40 years. So that's hard to beat. That's an average annualized return of 10%. So... That's one type of strategy. Second type of strategy is a growth investing, short-term, long-term. And these are, just what was said, these are people who invest in companies that they feel that true value, that stock, is going to grow. So we see right now, we see some things that are going to be changing our society, right? We know that they're going to have autonomous cars, right, and AI. So you can find mutual funds that focus on AI Autonomous cars that focus on the, the blockchain technology, not the cryptocurrency, but the blockchain technology. You can find stuff that's focusing on the whole cloud, right? And you can, you can just Google those. I want, I want mutual funds that have blockchain technology. What's the best blockchain? Things you know because things that are going new, that, that's going to change our way of living, that's new, they're going to grow. Because they're new, right? We got the medicines. We got the type of medical stuff. So those are things you can start researching now to understand 
How will our world change in the next 10, 20 years? So, <clears throat> so you figure out if I'm going to do long term or short term. Now, long term is something is over three to five years. Short term is under that. Now, if you're investing for short term growth, then you got to find something that you think that's going to click. Like right now, if I was looking at what's going on, I would be researching what company is growing in the streaming business. Since Netflix is dropping, there's some kind of, somebody said Hulu. So that may be right, but you can research that. I'm not going to tell you, but that can be a short term growth because it's a smaller company. Netflix is big. It's cumbersome. It's, it takes a lot for it to grow. So that's what a growth strategy is. Value strategy. A value strategy is the idea that companies are priced way below their true value. Now, this is a strategy that's used by Warren Buffett. Now, what he does, he actually buys the whole company. But you can buy his mutual fund, and you have a value portfolio. It's called Berkshire Hathaway Fund. You can buy that, and you will have a value strategy in your portfolio. Or you can go and look up top value funds. But these are companies, and this is what they think. They think that once there's a market correction, what happens in a market correction? What happened in the housing market when houses were going way up, then the market correct? What happened? Hmm? They went down, but they went down to the true value. And so there were some houses that really weren't affected by the housing market because they were already high. It was the houses that were ballooned where the lot was selling for $10,000 and over two years it went up to $75,000 like we're seeing now. Now what's going on now is a little different in that, but it's also the same in that we have more people moving to Atlanta, which due to relocation because Atlanta is cheaper than coming from New York or California. So they moved to Atlanta and we have more demand. So if you have high demand, low supply, prices go up. Okay. The next type of strategy is an income investing strategy. Now, what does that mean? That means we are focusing on companies that produce income. So there are two types of ways you can get income out of the market. And this is what you think about when you retire. Because when you retire, what you want? Income. So you will then look at a strategy to invest in companies that pay high dividends and you will have a lot of bonds. So what's a company that pays a high dividend that's a great company? Microsoft. Everybody know Microsoft? They pay great dividends, high dividends, you know, three, four, five percent. Okay? You also have dividend and growth funds. These same theory, you know, they're big, big, big companies that pay dividends, like a Coca-Cola, that's one. You know, they pay dividends. Big company, very secure. Half of Coca-Cola go out of business, right? So it's safe. Now, the next type of investor is the contrarian investor. That's the investor, that's the investor that contrarian that looks for opportunity in a down market. And I was talking about our fellow member here who, who rolled the dice when the market was down. And let me tell you the, 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 the courage in that. Most people, when the market goes down, they panic and they sell. Now, don't get me wrong. If we start seeing missiles come from Russia over here, that's going to affect the stock market. Now, it's going to be pretty hard to sell. But companies will be affected if there's a World War III, right? But in that scenario, what good is your money? If everything goes in chaos, money is not going to be your number one resource. Well, if there's a World War III, that's why they're using all the diplomacy with Russia. 
if there's a World War III, they have the capacity to blow up the world. So when you look at those movies where you see like, what was the movie with Denzel watched? Eli, the book of Eli, you saw that movie before? What money, what good money gonna do you? They need water. The whole fight in that movie was over water. So, you know, there's no, so those extreme cases, you can't do anything about that. That's what I'm saying. But if you follow the fundamental principle of investing in good companies, you're going to be pretty well off. But a contrarian investor is still courage because they see the opportunity. Whereas, like, if you have a stock and the market drops because of a pandemic or something else that's temporary, if you don't sell, you don't lose anything. You just wait it out. Now, that's easier said than done, but when we had the stock market crash, and one thing about history the people who are running the economy, all your economists and, and your, your government leaders, they have figured out ways from like when we had the crisis in 2008. They understand the things that will avoid a total market collapse. So they understand that this economy is based off of commerce. So what they have to do, if we have any type of stoppage of normal economic activity, of people going and shopping and spending money, they do what? They printed and did a stimulus package. The stimulus package was not going to create wealth. They don't call it a wealth package. What do they call it? A stimulus. What is it going to do? It's going to stimulate. They're going to give money to the people who are going to go spend it. And that keeps the businesses going. They keep people employed. That's why everything was around you employing people, and then you can get the PPP money. But you had all various schemers who someone on the reality shows that's not living in reality go and try to trick and get this money, but they didn't have any employees. The government knows what employees you have because you have to pay payroll tax. There's an easy tracking system. It's almost like writing a check to yourself from a stolen checking account. That's how stupid you steal a check and write it to yourself. But again, the contrarian is a great strategy, but it should be a small part of your portfolio to have cash set aside when the market downturns so you can buy. You can buy cheap. The last one is indexing. Now, this is one I really like because the market as a whole has done very well. So indexing are you are able to buy the whole market. You buy the S&P 500, it's the top 500 stocks. If you buy the Russell 3000, it's 3000 of the best stocks. All these are good index funds. And that's where you get that 10% they were talking about. So you can say, you know what? This is too much. I don't want to hear about all this. I just want to go to sleep. So I'm going to buy the market. So later on, we're going to tell you how that looks. So in conclusion, it's very important to have an investment strategy. And the one thing it will help you do is rule out a poor portfolio. It keeps you focused so you don't get caught up in hype. But it'll also increase your chances of success because it keeps you on track and keeps you in the area where you're focused on. But you do need to know how much risk tolerance you're willing to take, and you do need to understand what you're doing. So what I want to do is I want to just give, you go to that last slide, I want to give an example of what I talk about. I like showing these because I didn't come out that well. <laughs> All right, can y'all see that? Y'all can see that, right? So what I wanted to show is I want to take like a situation where you are a contrarian investor and you made $10,000 buying this stock like my partner did, right? Now, a good strategy would be to take that $10,000 and now you decide, let me ask you something. How many of you all say 
that it's normal to spend a hundred dollars a month on a want. Okay, that's okay. So I need one person. It's a want. A want is something that's not a need. A want is disposable income stuff you just want. So right, right. So what I wanted to show was if I was a contrarian investor and I hit it one time for ten thousand dollars. That was the question that came up last time. What should I do? What I would do is I would take that ten thousand dollars. And I will go back to a, 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 a real fundamental practice of time consistency. And so if you take that $10,000 investment and you say, I'm going to invest $100 a month. So you're going to put in a year $1,200. So in 10 years, that's $12,000. In 20 years, that's $24,000. So you put in $24,000 over 20 years, right? In 30 years, that's $36,000. But look what interest look what interest does. At a rate of ten percent, that thirty six thousand dollars you invested, we worth four hundred thousand dollars. But it takes thirty years. You see that? Now let's go down to the next one. If you did the same thing with a investment of three hundred dollars with the ten thousand dollars, and you're gonna do three hundred. How many of you all think a three hundred dollar car note is a decent car note? That is that three hundred dollars. That is a want because you can buy a car for two thousand dollars and have no car note. Okay, so that's a want. That ain't a need. So let's look at that one. Got my ten thousand dollars I made on my um doing. I'm gonna do it for thirty years. Seven hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. You see our time? That's at ten percent. That's doing an index fund. That's putting in, and just putting in my little three hundred dollars a month. Now I said thirty years too long. <laughs> Let's do 20 years. The last one's 20 years. So I take the same scenario, $10,000, 20 years, that's $400, but I'm going to do $400. I'm going to do a little more. And that's $354,000. So that last 10 years you have to invest makes a huge difference. Because I guarantee you, if I did this for 30 years, it would probably be close to a million dollars. You see that? So time and consistency is what you want to do. And you can't rush it. Just start now. Just start where you are. So those are the seven strategies that I feel are the best. And like I say, it's not complicated. You don't have to get real sophisticated. The consistency over time is what you got to do. And that's why the best thing for you to do is do your 401k. Because at least you don't even pay taxes on it. When you make money in your 401k buying and selling debt capital gains, no taxes. And your stuff is just growing. So even if you are doing it and you're not working, you can still do a Roth. If you have at least $16,000 in household income, you can buy a Roth and you can put up to $6,000 if you're under the age of 50. And it's now $7,000 if you're over. But here's the deal. You put tax money in, but it grows tax-free. When you take it out, you pay no taxes. Now that's when you get over 59 and a half. What you mean? After the age of 50, you can put 7,000 in. You can't take it out until you're 59 and a half, six, yeah, yeah, retirement. No, not a Roth. Not a Roth, but a traditional IRA, you don't pay, you get a tax break putting money in, and you pay taxes taken out. That's why I tell you to do both. You should do a Roth and a traditional IRA, like your 401k. But some 401ks allow you to do Roths in your 401k, which is still good. All right. So are there any questions? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, so 
first coupon pays the interest. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the coupon. Yeah, it's the coupon. All right, so you got the balance of the bond plus that coupon, they're going to be paying at whatever 5%, whatever, you know what I'm saying, they negotiate. Mm-hmm. So if the interest rate goes up, wouldn't the value, the overall value of the bond might go down? Should the coupon, should the coupon So the loss of money is based on the maturity. So the maturity is the coupon rate over the time and the money you invested. You still get what you put in back. But over time, because interest rates are higher, you're making a lower amount of money. So it's considered losing money. You could be making 7%, but you're going to be making 5%. See what I'm saying? That's the loss. But here's the deal. It's safe because you still got your money. Now, you can't sell it because normally you can sell it early. If the interest rate is higher, your bond, than what the going interest rate. You can sell it high and you can get a markup on it. You understand what I'm saying? So what I mean by it is, is that if interest rate dropped and you had, a, you, you had a bond for $5, right? And your maturity was a certain amount. A person, so interest rate dropped back down to three. An investor, because they got to make returns, they will pay you a premium on that to buy it from you. And that's the advantage. Now, when the interest rate goes up, Nobody's going to buy it. So you got to wait to maturity. So that's the only thing. So it's a time thing and it's an opportunity thing. But you don't lose your principal. That's not going to happen. Okay? That's the bond insurance you're talking about. That's depending on the quality of the bond. If it's a triple A and you prefer, yeah. Yeah, so you got, yeah, so it's got to be triple A. That's what I'm saying. You got to buy high quality. That's not considered junk. It's more the low quality, but it's corporate bonds. I still call it junk, but it's not really junk if it's a high quality rating on it. But those don't normally pay that high percentage, though. <laughs> Just like credit cards, you know. You got good credit, you're going to get a low interest rate. Risk. Remember risk. Remember risk. If it's high return, it's high risk. Okay, go ahead. Third question. So your Netflix example, right? You know what I'm saying? Netflix went down. Uh-huh. You say active and... Uh, passive. Active and passive and not maturity. But here's the question. Netflix went down, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Uh, but the company, I mean, regardless, if you look at the business model, Netflix had 221 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let me, let me explain it to you. So remember what I said first about the stock market. It's off emotions. So, right. So the value is you have to have the ability. So you have to research to read what the analysts are saying is the true value of Netflix. You have to understand how they're going to now maximize that return. Because like one article I was reading, the problem with Netflix is you got one subscription, but you got your cousin and your friend, everybody using it. So they may come up with a way to minimize that, which then make them more profitable, all right? They may come up with a way to compete more with Hulu. They may buy Hulu, whoever their competition. That's the intrinsic value. You have to understand their market position to determine that, if it's a value or not. That's why I say determining a value stock, you really have to understand the business. But when you buy a value mutual fund, 
they got well-educated people. That's all they do. So that's why I would get a value mutual fund instead of me trying to buy a value stock. Last yeah. Uh, capital gains, right? I should put you on the mic. Okay, I'm going to repeat what he said. He's asking me about capital gains and the fact that he's read about the fact that there was an effort to tax capital gains. Unrealized. And realized. Realized is already taxed, but unrealized. But, so, first of all, that is true. That was a platform of the Democrats. So y'all need to know when you're voting. You see, when you start understanding the money involved, you start... That was a that was a Biden, um, a campaign deal that even Gorbachev, she was talking about that because the government is trying to find a way to put tax on the wealthy. Right. But the problem with that is and probably they say that stuff because the masses don't understand. It. See, when you're in the stock market, you're in an elite group. Most people in the stock market and mutual funds, they don't think about taxes. But people who are buying stock outside their mutual funds. That's a small percentage of Americans. So if I'm, if I'm trying to get votes, I'm going to talk to the bigger group. Everybody who's a voter, you the only one here. I'm going to talk to those people, right? Now, the problem with that is, is that if they made it where you had to be taxed on unrealized gain, meaning if you bought a stock and it went up and you didn't sell it, they still going to tax you on it, right? That will undermine the value of the stock market. Because why would I want to invest in the stock market if I'm getting all my profits eaten up and I can take risk? Because if they did, they would have to give you a credit on unrealized losses. So it may even out. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because you can buy a stock and it, it drop and you hold it and you get tax break and it all sets. So a lot of that stuff is theatrics from my point of view. But that was true. A campaign promise to come up with way tax unrealized gains and capital gains higher. They want to go up higher. And that's something they may do because they got to figure out a way to get all this money they flood into the economy back out of the economy. And they do that through taxation. See, the government printed that money. The corporation got money. The corporation had to pay a lot of that money back. Some then, some then. Small companies didn't have to pay that money back. If you had employees and you was working during the pandemic and you kept those salaries and you made money, as long as you had payroll, you didn't pay taxes. But they don't figure a way to get that money back. So, you know, as fast as they can write laws and to increase taxes, they, you got to tax strategies figuring out a way to win the other way, too. But that is true. So you still vote Democrat? <laughs> now, let me see you know Trump T-shirt on. Becoming <laughs> a mega hat. <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. We we taping. <laughs> but you understand now the political thing, and you have to read Malcolm X's quote on what he think about politicians, liberal versus conservative. I mean, you know, it's really the same. But again, it made no sense to me because we're taking risks. It's just like a business. You can lose your money. So I don't think it's gonna get any traction personally because. To me, it will undermine the economy. You got to remember, this, our GDP is based on commerce, you know? You know, we are importers more than we are exporters, you know? We, we decided that, you know, but now, with us being energy independent, we don't need 
oil from anybody, but the people who own oil, they participate in the market price. That's why when the oil goes up, even though we produce it here, it still is sold at the same price it's sold across the world. You don't get a break because you're in America. It's just, you know, if they decide to cut us off, they can still sell it to you at a higher price. And oil companies are making money. Any other questions? All right, well, let me tell you, next week we're going to have a surprise. I'm going to be here, but we're going to have a guest who's going to talk about estate planning. It's one of our own members, and she's going to be here. It's going to be really good because the last thing you have to do after you invest and get all your future planning down, your ducks in a row for your retirement, you got to know how to, to make sure estate is set so that when you do transition, everything is done right. So she'll talk about even property. So your spouse, you know, is not going through a whole ordeal with probate and all that stuff. And, you know, everything with trans or you got kids and you want your kids not to get the money until they do something. You can control that from the grave. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, everybody should come. It's going to be really good. I'm going to be here still, but I want her because she's a estate planning lawyer. And she's more qualified than me to teach that. I mean, I know the basics, but I think she'll be really good. I'm going to be here. That'll be our final class for June. We'll end this six-part series, and we'll give notice on what's going to happen the rest of the year. All right, well, thank you all for coming. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was Session 5 of the Render My Money 2022 series by Gerald Render. This message is number 4543, that's 4543, to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4543 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.